The following program does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of WFMD. It's Success Happens on 930 WFMD, blending business and politics. Success Happens with your host, Jen Charlton. Good morning and welcome to Success Happens. This is Jen and I am always honored to be with you all today and have the opportunity to share what I think is important information. It's important for us right now to remember something. Right now, there's news about the government starting to attend to, monitor, or otherwise stifle our concerns and our our views on what's going on in the world and perhaps how this current administration is doing on some of the issues domestically and internationally. That is not our constitutional republic. That is not freedom of speech. And whatever DHS thinks that they have the right to stifle our our words and our thoughts, that falls under communism. That is not the United States of America. So let us be clear that the Constitution protects our rights to speak freely even when we go against our government to challenge what's going on and perhaps say, maybe there's a better way for you to be doing something and you don't have all the answers, you're not perfect, and to squelch the voices of the people is nothing short of what happens in China or Russia. And that's not United States. So I want to make sure we started the show with that because it has bearing on my guest and where we're going today because we're going to be talking about the Russia-Ukraine situation. And I've had my guest, Dr. Peter Pry, on with me before, and we've spoken about his concerns that indeed there may be an issue forthcoming with Russia attacking Ukraine and so forth. Good morning, Peter. It's great to have you back on Success Happens. Well, thanks so much for having me. So I thought first, let's start with you're an expert on Russia. You're an expert on EMPs. We've talked about that in the past and your concerns about that as a weapon as well as perhaps a natural event. We can set that aside for a second. But what I'd really like to get from you is an update. Where do you see we are as a point in time right now with the situation with Ukraine versus Russia? And where does the U.S. fall into it? Because I think people are worried that we're going to end up in a World War III against Russia. Well, cyber and EMP are exactly relevant to where we are on this. And yes, people, Washington, you know, is extremely concerned that Russia is going to invade Ukraine and uh, follow through on Putin's dream of reestablishing the USSR. And that would be an enormous step in that direction. Uh, Russia, in fact, has, you know, annexed Crimea earlier and has its troops all over eastern Ukraine already in what's described as a civil war, but it's not really a civil war. It's Russian special forces have been operating in Ukraine. They've all invaded Ukraine years ago, and we've had a a protracted war going on there. But if we have a big one, if Russia decides to invade Ukraine, one of my concerns is that Washington's focus is on the wrong thing, because The way Russia will conduct a war, a future war, a war that might escalate into a world war, is not going to begin with the tanks rolling. It's going to begin with cyber attacks and maybe even nuclear EMP attack on electric grids. They're going to do that first. 
Every year around Christmas, Russia has practiced blacking out the Ukrainian electric grid. They've been doing that for a purpose. Now, they they don't make it a very long blackout, and it tends to be a more limited blackout. The scale of the blackouts have ver- has varied over time, but they're clearly been practicing to black out the whole Ukrainian grid. And it would begin, an invasion of Ukraine would begin with that, uh, a blackout by cyber means of the whole grid, They'd probably have small numbers of special forces troops going in there to shoot up transformers and control centers uh, to supplement the cyber attack if they thought that the United States was really going to intervene and that this thing could escalate into a major war between European NATO, the United States on one side and Russia on the other uh, in a big war over Ukraine, then they may well extend the attack to us and European NATO and they could make cyber attacks combined with non-nuclear and nuclear EMP weapons, you know, it would only take one weapon, one nuclear weapon, to black out the whole United States to paralyze us. It wouldn't be killing a lot of people initially, but it would be paralyzing NATO and the United States so that we wouldn't be able to project power. People may recall the Colonial Pipeline hack that shut down the Colonial Pipeline when we last had a crisis with Russia over Ukraine. You know, that happened just a couple of weeks after that crisis. And I think it was sending us a signal that they can shut down our critical infrastructures. The Colonial Pipeline was significant, not just because it provided half the uh, petroleum, you know, for U.S. civilian consumers. There were gas lines for a couple of days and, and, and the problem lasted a week. Uh, but that pipeline is crucial to fueling our military bases to support power projection to European NATO so that if we wanted to defend Ukraine, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do it if that colonial pipeline was hacked. You can even blow up a pipeline by means of cyber attack. So that's one of my big concerns, that Washington is waiting for the tanks to roll. And the tanks would roll, but before the tanks roll, at least Ukraine would be hit and possibly we would be hit with a cyber EMP attack that would black out electric grids so we couldn't do anything about it when the tanks do roll. The idea would be for to achieve a relatively bloodless victory because the Ukrainian military would also be paralyzed by this. Now, the bigger and more controversial position I've taken on this, you know, is that the United States shouldn't even be involved. We have no vital national security interests there. But Washington, there's largely a consensus that uh, if you're not willing to support Ukrainian sovereignty, and send all kinds of arms to defend Ukrainian sovereignty, then you're a Russian agent and you're betraying the interests of the United States. You know, I think the interests of the United States and the American people are being betrayed by putting us in a situation where we could be drawn into a cyber EMP. Maybe the thing could escalate into an all-out nuclear war. I mean, things like this have happened before over lesser provocations. People have forgotten, perhaps, that World War I started you know, with a little dust up over Serbia between uh, Serbia and the Austro-Hungarian Empire when an archduke was assassinated. A single bullet ended up starting World War One because it escalated out of control in unpredictable ways. You know, a big war in the middle of Europe like this with America involved sending arms to the Ukrainians reinforces, it seems to confirm the worst fears of Moscow. You know, Moscow fears that Ukraine is going to become a member of NATO. We refuse to say we're not going to let Ukraine into NATO. It is a vital Russian strategic interest. 
they're not unreasonable to be concerned about Ukraine coming into NATO. Now, Russia is not a victim. They also want Ukraine, you know, because it would bring them closer to NATO uh, so that uh, NATO would be under greater risk, you know, from so Russian armies and Russian missiles if they were to occupy Ukraine. So it's a, a two-edged sword. But uh, the bottom line is, is that we have no vital interest there. No American should die for Ukraine. For example, Ukraine is a member of the Partnership for Peace. We should never have expanded NATO to the eastward in the first place. Americans may not understand it, but every time we allow a country into NATO, we are basically committing ourselves to the defense of the sovereignty of that country, including by the use of nuclear weapons. Do you really want to get in a war for Latvia and Lithuania, uh, for Slovakia? Guess what? Those countries are members of NATO because we expanded NATO eastward. Now we now Ukraine, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, a whole bunch of other countries that most Americans can't even find it on, on a map are members of what's called the Partnership for Peace. And this is an interim step to becoming a member of NATO. You know, I think what's uh, involved here is Washington elites who are fundamentally globalists and uh, not nationalists. You know, that's why they don't care about American interests. They're willing to use the military and economic might of America and appeal to the patriotism of Americans to uh, support their decisions to get us in foreign wars that don't really advance U.S. national security interests because their agenda is a globalist one. It's not an American agenda. And this has happened under Republican and Democrat administrations. And now we're on the verge of another one. And this, with the very bad leadership we've got, Biden is obviously one of the worst presidents we've had. But what one of the things that really concerns me is uh, even our Pentagon, the fish rots from the head down. I mean, you can see with uh, General Miley, who's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, has got to be one of the most incompetent generals who's ever headed the Joint Chiefs of Staff, as you can see from what happened in Afghanistan. Everybody, you've been listening to Peter Pry. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to Success Happens. I have with me today Dr. Peter Vincent Pry. When you talk about Miley, and this is this is what ties into, I think, our current reality and what my opening was pointing to is this whole idea of DHS, Department of Homeland Security, is now going to be monitoring what we say about the administration, about General Miley, about the leadership that's controlling us when we are supposed to be controlling them. You know, we're supposed to be voting them in and then them doing our bidding. Instead, they're going to start attacking us for challenging them for doing things like what you're suggesting, which is following a globalist agenda as opposed to America first. So how do we reset? You have this global view and you've been involved with countries who are communist. How do we not end up there? I'm really concerned about that, Peter. Well, I, I have a darker view of where we are than, than you do. Uh, you know, in your opening statement, you were talking about how we don't want to go there, you know, into a place where First Amendment rights are being suppressed and where the elites are suppressing uh, the freedom of speech, for example. And I think we've been there for some years now, certainly since at least the beginning of the Trump administration, 
we, we cease to be a constitutional republic. And it's been years that we've not actually been a real constitutional republic. And why, why do I say that? Because in a real constitutional republic, you know, both political parties have to respect the Constitution and the rule of law and obey the rules. And those rules include, you know, respecting the, the, the freedom of speech rights of those with whom you disagree. And the rules include not having the equivalent of brown shirts who use violence, you know, to try to, to get their way. You know, all through the Trump administration, we've seen the Democrat Party ally itself with the liberal mainstream media to suppress conservative voices and with groups like Antifa and Black Lives Matters winking at their breaking of the rule of law, the killing of police officers and of regular citizens and causing billions of dollars worth of damage to property, all in support of the left wing political agenda that's been going on. So we're already there. We're already there. What I'm hearing you say is we are communist now. We're not as bad as China yet. We're not as bad as Russia yet. I'd say we are, we're probably at 1933, you know, we're uh, the equivalent of 1933 in Nazi Germany, where the bad guys have gotten power over all the institutions that matter in the government. And, uh, uh, you know, when the Nazis came to power, they didn't immediately start the Holocaust and World War II. In fact, they accomplished a, a lot of good things, you know, got the economy going, the Volkswagen, building the Autobahn, Hitler allowed labor unions, paid vacations. Uh, a lot of people look at what the Nazis were doing and were saying, well, that's the wave of the future. They're using government power to do good things, even though it's authoritarian and people are losing their freedoms. People are benefiting from that. In other words, every totalitarian movement starts off saying that it's serving the interests of the people. In the case of the Bolsheviks, the communists in Russia, they came to power because they promised the peasants land and bread. And they thought they were going to get that. They thought they were going to get an egalitarian society where the peasants would have the land and everything. In other words, there's a period of soft authoritarianism that you go through and it gets harder and harder and harder until you end up like a Russia and China, you know, and I think we're at the early stages. We're already a, a more an authoritarian system, but it's a soft authoritarianism uh, that's using covid and uh, arguments about equality and racism, protecting the environment, saving us from climate change, all of these good causes are being used as rationalizations for taking away our freedoms and building a new society. That's what all revolutionary totalitarian movements start as, and that's where we are. We're in the early stages of it. But I don't think we're currently a constitutional republic. I don't even have confidence that we can have free and fair elections. I know I'm in a minority view on this. You look at Fox News every night, that represents the mainstream conservative view, and there's this uh, optimism that, well, we're going to turn everything around in the midterm elections. And it's prohibited. It's verboten on Fox News, except for everybody except Tucker Carlson. And even he is, is uh, reluctant to talk about the 2020 elections having been stolen. You know, and it's obvious that they were stolen. And yet you have to go to off the mainstream in order to find serious people that will acknowledge that, yeah, the 2020 elections were stolen. 
I'll let people know you hear it here on Success Happens. And I, you know, I'm not afraid to say that that's when the insurrection occurred. And they may come and those brown shirts may come and haul me off. But, you know, one thing I want to say, I think Fox News is seriously compromised at this point. Most people in my arena uh, that I circulate with don't really trust Fox News. A couple of the programmers, Maria's good on, on Fox Business, but to your point, they've been stifled and compromised. But, you know, OAN, Newsmax, I watch Newsmax a lot. But frankly, a lot of the the truth is coming from the podcasting side. That's this alternative media online channeling. That's that's really where people are going to find, you know, correct information. And there is a lot of misinformation out there. So you do have to sort the wheat from the chaff. And I, I like to say that here we we have people like yourself, Peter, who have experience and knowledge and relationships that can verify and give us some reality on what's going on. I want to go back to something you said about we're already there. And but I want to take us to a quick break. And when we come back, I'd like for you to tell me, given what you said and we're already there, what are the next actions for us to take that will enable us to pull our republic back. I had Jeffrey Prather on. If you guys haven't heard that show, go and listen to the podcast about, and he says the same thing, we've already lost our republic, but he thinks it's recoverable. So I'd be interested in what your views are on on that. Everybody, you're listening to Success Happens. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Sweeties on the Creek. We're scooping now. Dianovich and Associates, great security company, and Flamingo Pool Supplies. We'll be right back. The program does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of WFMD. Free Talk, 930 WFMD. Welcome back to Success Happens. This is Jen, and I am just honored today to have with me Dr. Peter Vincent Pry. He's an author. He's an expert on on Russia, Ukraine, uh, electric magnetic pulse and the, and the worries and concerns about those threats. And Peter, before the break, we were talking about we are already on the path of communism. We're showing the signs of that, we'll call it devolution, into communism. What do you think we as Americans can do to bring back our republic? Because I agree with you. If we lost the 2020 Thinking we're going to miraculously win the 2022 is uh, la-la land. So I think we have to look at this in a different light because I don't think the elections are going to be any more honest in 22 than they are now. If we don't fix 2020, we will not have an honest 2022 election. Your thoughts? Well, uh, before I became a, a nuclear strategist, and an intelligence officer in the CIA. I was originally trained as an archaeologist and a historian. And um, from that perspective, there may be no coming back for us. You know, free systems, whether democratic systems or republican systems, are rare in history. You know, mankind throughout most of history has lived under tyrannies, some kind of tyranny, monarchies, military dictatorships. And that's because maintaining a free system is hard work it depends on the citizens not becoming sheep and being alert and being jealous of their freedoms and being willing to fight for those freedoms if necessary it may be that we've had our run 
I mean, most free systems don't last as long as, as our system has. So there may be no coming back. However, there is reason for hope that we might be able to. And by the way, another sign of where we are, that we are arrived at the phase of soft authoritarianism, is shows like yours that you were talking about before. The facts that Fox News has been compromised. Even Fox News has been compromised. One American News is not a big mainstream Newsmax. Those aren't big mainstream news organizations where they're relatively small voices. And uh, during the Soviet period, one of the things that led to the overthrow of communism was the proliferation of things, what was called samizdat, basically illegal newspapers uh, and newsletters and books that were circulated among people who were interested in freedom and fomenting a revolution in the Soviet Union. I think shows like yours and these podcasts are equivalent to Samizdat, trying to fight against the rising totalitarian tide in this country. The reason for hope is that the Soviet Union did fall, and it fell with surprising little, little blood, bloodshed, as did all of the Warsaw Pact communist dictatorships. Uh, our Constitution is right in everything, but most fundamentally, it's right about the fact that governments exist by the consent of the governed. Nations exist by the consent of the people who belong to that nation, too. You know, the totalitarians and authoritarians always make the mistake that they think that a nation is the bureaucratic levers of power, the Department of Defense, the CIA, the IRS, or that all of these bureaucracies, the courts, that if they get control of these things, that they are in control of the nation. But those things are not the nation. The people are the nation. And the nation exists in the imaginations of the people. When the people lose faith that the nation is serving their interests, when they see themselves as an enslaved, oppressed class whose rights are not being respected and interests are not being furthered by government anymore, they basically lose faith in that concept that they belong to a nation. Uh, well, you know, I think we're there. And people refused to be governed anymore by communism. And it and it made them go onto the ash heap of history in about two years. And the same thing for all those Warsaw Pact countries with surprisingly little bloodshed. So if the American people are or, organized and do what the truckers are doing in Canada, you know, peacefully protest the power of no, no, I'm not going to let you teach my kids critical race theory. No, I'm not going to give up my guns. No, I'm not going to let you corrupt the election process, you know, and 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 and, 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 uh, and if you do go forward with a corrupt election, I'm not going to re recognize the legitimacy of anybody who's elected, you know, without uh, by mail in ballots and by a, a system that is not transparent and that I can have high confidence that the elections were fair. All of us should basically simply among the things we should be doing, even if we can do nothing else, is tell anyone who will listen, we do not think the Biden, the President Biden is the President of the United States. No, he hasn't established his legitimacy, nor do we think the Congress is control, uh, oh, is, uh, is uh, that the Democrats legitimately have power in the House or the Senate. The Democrats themselves have done that over and over again to Republicans challenging the legitimacy of our presidents, challenging the legitimacy of, of Senate and House elections, we need to do at least that same, that same thing and follow suit there. But more than that, we need to be activists. You know, we need to organize ourselves at the grassroots level. 
if 80 million Trump voters, you know, could organize themselves and say, we're not going to pay our income taxes until our constitutional rights are restored, until we have free elections again. I believe that if we did that through peaceful activism and peaceful protest, you know, in large numbers, millions of Americans organized to do that, that we could get our country back. We could get our constitutional republic back. This idea of peaceful resistance. Remember what they said when Trump won. See, this is they keep flipping narratives. It's time for us to start flipping narratives. First of all, they said resist. And what you're saying and I'm hearing you say is we now must resist. Yes. And and pull that back from the idea that the Democrats own resistance. And indeed, we own resistance if we're going to hold the line on our republic. Go ahead. Right. Uh, You know, the question is, is there enough of us left? This didn't happen overnight. Cultural conservatives have been warning for many years that uh, the left has been termiting away, undermining the foundations in our educational system, driving the religious out of the public square and making it illegitimate, you know, to bring Judeo-Christian values to bear on how public policy is made. They've been working on this for years. And the Republican Party has been AWOL in this fight. And that's why they've managed to capture everything. And as a consequence, we've had generations raised up who have a kind of a mindset that they expect to be taken care of by government. And they're more obedient than, say, my father's generation was. You know, the question is, are there enough eagles left in America to have a successful, peaceful second American revolution? Or are there so many sheeple around now that there's no hope for recovering the country? You don't need a majority of people to be eagles, I would point out. Before we had mass communications and during the American Revolution, only a third of the country was for throwing off the monarchy of Great Britain. A third of the country were were patriots, a third of the country were Tories and supported the monarchy, and a third of the country was indifferent. I don't think that the balance of power in America in 2022 is as bad as that. I think most Americans, you know, basically support the Constitution and support traditional Judeo-Christian values. I would say to your point that most Americans, those 80 million you referred to, are patriots, they are eagles, and they are saying enough is enough. I want to take a quick break. This is so great. I I really appreciate your time. Everybody, you're listening to Success Happens. I'd like to thank Dr. Peter Vincent Pry for being with us this morning and sharing his knowledge and expertise on these issues that are so grave and so important to reestablishing the United States of America as a republic. And there are some who believe we've fallen. And I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news. I mean to wake us up to the reality that we're in. This is something worth standing up for. It's something worth fighting for. And fighting doesn't have to mean call to arms. Fighting can be standing up in the public square and saying, that's it, we've had enough. So we have to be more smart in how we do what we're doing in order to prevail. But I believe as an optimist, that we can, and I pray and hope that we will. You're listening to Success Happens. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Sweeties on the Creek, we're Scuba Now, and Flamingo Pool Supply. We'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back to Success Happens. I have with me today Dr. Peter Pry. We're talking about 
communism, Russia, Ukraine. And now I'd like to talk further about the EMPs, electromagnetic pulse, the worries that you have about that, because one of the things that came up in an article you wrote, Peter, was that the governors need to start taking control of this at the local level rather than to rely on the federal government to do this for us. What are your thoughts on empowering governors to make sure that the people are protected and so that we can live our lives and get the goods and services we need to operate? I wrote that article because I'm concerned that we're in a situation uh, where the risk of an EMP and cyber attack that could black out the whole United States is elevated because of this Ukrainian crisis. And it won't be the last crisis. If we manage to get through that, there's going to be another one. With this weak administration, Russia and China are becoming increasingly aggressive. Before the Biden administration is over, you know, we could have a cyber and EMP attack that could end our civilization. And the, the government is so incompetent. While it's becoming authoritarian, it's also becoming less and less competent at what governments are supposed to do, like providing for our national security. And they've had years to protect our electric grid and other critical infrastructures from cyber and EMP. But every year, not only don't they do it, but our vulnerability actually gets worse and worse. And some of the things that Biden wants to do to fight climate change will really increase our vulnerability to EMP and cyber attacks very significantly. In what way? The climate change solution, for example, you know, Biden wants to shut down all the coal-fired power plants. You know, coal is one of the most resilient forms of electrical energy because a coal-fired plant typically has about a six-month supply of fuel so it could keep running for six months. Uh, they're not crazy about nuclear power, you know, which is one of the cleanest forms of, of, of energy, but it's the second most resilient form of power. They want to proliferate solar and wind power and build enormous solar farms and wind farms at vast expense and string hundreds of kilometers of new power lines to connect these farms into the big grid. And this is going to destabilize the grid because the sun doesn't always shine and the wind doesn't always blow. And we saw in Texas that, uh, uh, that, that when you increase dependency on solar and wind for the big grid, you know, they're okay as a microgrid for maybe running a farm or running a uh, uh, having a house, okay, but to have solar and wind as a major source of electrical energy for the nation is a really bad idea. It will destabilize the grid and make it more vulnerable to cyber and EMP. When a grid is less stable, it's sort of like building a house of cards that's taller and taller and less and less stable, and if you want to knock it over, it gets easier and easier to do. And so that's how you are destabilizing the grid by the Biden administration defense against climate change policies by increasing our, our dependence on, on solar and wind. It hasn't happened yet, but they plan to do it at the cost of, of hundreds of billions of dollars. I don't think we're spending enough to secure the electric grid. I will give the Biden administration credit that they do want to do something to protect our electric grid and other critical infrastructures against EMP and cyber attack. Uh, there's a bill on my desk now that just passed in January that specifically spends $300 million to try to begin protecting the electric grid against EMP and cyber. So even the Democrats, I mean, even the woke Biden administration acknowledges that there's a threat from EMP. Even they want to secure the grid against these threats. But what they're proposing is too little, too late. That's too little money. Proposals that they have, the, the technical details in the bill are not optimum for protecting the grid. And what they give with one hand in terms of spending some money 
on EMP and cyber protection. They more than take away with the other by going overboard on trying to structure the grid and make it more dependent on solar and wind power to defeat climate change, which is a lie. I mean, climate change isn't even even a real threat scientifically. This is just one of the big lies that is given out there. But they drink their own Kool-Aid and those and the Biden administration and supporters believe in climate change. And it's one of the rationalizations they have for sending out the government tentacles to control every aspect of our lives. Well, and by the way, they make you feel bad if you don't somehow step up and say, well, I care about the environment. You know, if you don't align with that belief, you don't care about the environment. You can care about the environment, but caring about the environment is not the same thing as subscribing to a scientific falsehood that we face catastrophic climate change that's going to occur, that will end our civilization in, in a decade if we don't take drastic measures uh, and become a socialist society, basically, to control and have worldwide controls of economies so that transitioning away from free enterprise systems everywhere so the government can control energy, the way energy is made and all the rest. Uh, I care about the environment. I think every true conservative does. you know, But that's not the same thing as subscribing to a myth that something that's not true, that's designed as a rationalization for expanding the power of government. All right. So let me ask you this. Let's talk about empowering the governors to take action that will shore up their state's electric grids. What do you suggest to the governors? In my article, Florida versus Russia, I put a model executive order that could be issued by any governor. Governors already have the power to protect their electric grids. Every governor has got uh, homeland security powers to protect the people in his state. And the executive order would basically, you know, say... EMP and cyber warfare poses an existential threat to the citizens of my state. You know, I need to be able to protect the electric grid. The government hasn't done its job to do it. So I, the governor, have to step into this national security and homeland security vacuum and and direct the parts of my government to provide for emergency services uh, to start coming up with a plan. What are we going to do if there's a cyber or EMP attack that blacks out our electric grid? And I'm going to uh, direct that the public utilities commissions and agencies that oversee the electric utilities in my state and other utilities in my state start meeting with defense contractors who have long experience in protecting military systems from EMP and cyber warfare and getting estimates from them on how much is it going to cost to protect the grid in my state and have these guys come up with a plan to protect the grid in my state and then proceed to fund those plans so that we start protecting the assets within my state. It's entirely possible for a governor to protect electric grids and other critical infrastructures from EMP and cyber warfare. He doesn't have to have the expertise himself. You know, there are uh, many defense contractors out there that can do it for you. It's really a question of, well, how do you pay for it? It's less expensive than doing a lot of things that states do. It's certainly less expensive than the climate change plans that the Biden administration wants the states to enact. Have any of them expressed interest in your plan? Some governors have expressed interest in the, in the plan, but I'm not going to name them. The interest in EMP and cyber protection is a way as a way to belittle these governors and people who may be interested in protecting their states against EMP. A favorite trope of the left is that EMP is a Republican conservative obsession. And unfortunately, I'm not sure that enough of the American people, uh, even now, 
are sophisticated enough in their understanding of the EMP and cyber threat, you know, they may be vulnerable to such uh, to such propaganda. On the solar flares, touch on that if you would, because a natural EMP occurrence is a real thing as well. Could you touch on that? Uh, not only is the threat of a solar superstorm real, but it's inevitable. And we will for sure get hit one day, possibly within our lifetimes and no later that of our, our grandchildren. Uh, yeah, the sun can make a natural EMP by shooting out a, a, a coronal mass ejection. This is basically a big blob of ionized plasma. It's part of the sun that comes out of the sunspots. And when a sunspot is aimed at the Earth, it takes a normal coronal mass ejection. Solar storms happen all the time hitting the Earth. We had one just a few days ago that knocked out 40 satellites that were orbiting the Earth. And that was not a solar superstorm. That was just a, a normal kind of a solar storm. And they typically do some damage when they hit, but not catastrophic damage the normal solar storms that happen every year. What we're concerned about is the solar superstorm, which is rare. They happen about once a century. The last one was the uh, the biggest one we know of was the 1859 Carrington event, you know, which destroyed telegraph systems all over the world back in 1859. But the storm was so powerful, we basically had a worldwide EMP that fried those those telegraph systems and those that primitive early electronics they were literally a billion times less vulnerable, a billion with a B, less vulnerable to EMP than our modern microchip type technologies that run on much lower energies. Now, civilization didn't end. It didn't exterminate mankind because those were still the horse and buggy days. We were not yet an electronic civilization. Electronics were, were in their infancy back in those days. But if we get another 1859 Carrington event or something like it, we are not prepared for it. It could be the doom of civilization. It would collapse electric grids everywhere in the world and black out the life-sustaining critical infrastructures, putting billions of lives at risk. And NASA estimates we almost got hit by one in uh, uh, July of 2012. It missed us by three days. The coronal mass ejection crossed the pass of the Earth, and it, had we been three days earlier on in our orbit, it would have hit us. NASA estimates the likelihood is 12% per decade. So we're overdue for the occurrence of a of something like the 1859 Carrington event. And a lot of people worry about this more than they do about nuclear EMP attack or, or large-scale cyber attacks that black out grids, because there's no deterring the sun. There's no reasoning with the sun. You know, it's going to happen, you know, sooner or later, and we need to be prepared for it. So let me ask you in closing, Peter, how can people follow you? You've written several books. The task force that I run and we do take on volunteers. Uh, you know, we have a thousand, over a thousand volunteers trying to work at the state level uh, to influence Washington, to influence their state governments. We have some towns actually not waiting for Washington and not waiting for their state governments, but they're actually moving forward at a, at a town and uh, level, uh, you know, small uh, to uh, protect themselves from EMP, emptaskforce.us, emptaskforce.us. My latest book is called Blackout Warfare, and it's the first book written, you know, that describes how enemies would use EMP and cyber warfare to attack us. It's in all their military doctrines, and it describes that. Blackout Warfare, if you want to become an expert on all of this, the best book is a book I published last year called The Power and the Light, The Power and the Light, which is basically a history of uh, the development of EMP science and of the struggles of the EMP Commission over 20 years to try to get this country protected and why the country isn't protected yet, the power and the light. 
All of those are available under my name, you know, Dr. Peter Vincent Pry on, on Amazon.com. Wonderful. Well, listen, once again, Peter, thank you so much for being with uh, us here on Success Happens and continuing to bring to light the issues that face us through not only the EMP concerns, but the greater globalist issues that are coming home to roost. And everybody, I, I really recommend you go to our webpage on wfmd.com backslash success happens and listen to these podcasts and share them. Share this podcast to the people you love because you never know who might want to help in this activity and become a volunteer with the commission to make a difference in their local municipalities or state. So once again, great show. Great to have you with us, Peter. Listen next Saturday morning at 9 a.m. on Free Talk 930 WFMD. Have a great week. The First Amendment of the Constitution reads, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. So everybody, it's important to remember that we have constitutional rights and right now the Department of Homeland Security is threatening your and my rights to freedom of speech, to saying when we are dissatisfied with how things are going at the government level, we have the right to speak out about our grievances and we do have the right to peaceably assemble. And oh, by the way, this is supposed to be a representative government. Now you've heard it from several of my guests that our constitutional republic has already fallen. It's not going to happen, it already has. And we are on a track to communism. When Department of Homeland Security says we're coming after you because you don't like what we say or you don't like our government, that is communism. So this is enough is enough. I wanted to keep that in front of you. We will keep reading this constitution. The Heritage Foundation does a nice little booklet you can carry in your purse or your pocket. Go to heritage.org to find it online and share it with your friends and family. 